The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. I'm Emma. This is Leo. Hi. And you're listening to a very special episode of Very Loose Women on a very special day of programming at Resonance 104.4 FM. If you're just joining us, you might not have realised that today is International Women's Day and as such, Resonance have been broadcasting 24 hours of women's voices. And we're really, really excited this week to have an hour-long show featuring Dr. Vivi Lax, Yiddish pop singer and historian of the Yiddish East End and my former Yiddish teacher. Hi, Vivi. Hiya. And also you introduced me to the joy of Yiddish song. So before we get started chatting about Yiddish music, Yiddish women, um, we thought we'd start with a classic gripe or mini-celebration. So does anyone have a gripe or a mini-celebration? I have a mini-celebration. And it's relevant to the show in some way, um, in that it was in Whitechapel. We're going to be speaking about Whitechapel. So I went to Whitechapel today, and it was like the middle of the day. I'd had shorthand in the morning, and in the afternoon, I was doing an interview in Whitechapel. But in the middle of the day, we just, with the two people in my group, we just went into the Whitechapel gallery, and they obviously all, always have free exhibitions, and we walked around a little art exhibition. And it was just a very welcome relief for the middle of the day. That sounds lovely. What it a was. nice way to celebrate International Women's Day. It was a uh, lovely way to do that. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think we should gripe on International Women's Day, really, should we? Um, so I've got another mini celebration. And my mini celebration is, well, the gripe, I guess, is that I've got aching legs. But that's because of the mini celebration that on Monday I cycled 54 miles into Surrey and had lunch and cycled home again. And it's like one does, you know, on a Monday. Well, now I feel I feel rude because I was going to say why 54 miles, but maybe we'll leave it to the listener's imagination if it's uh, <laughs> too cheeky to ask. My mini celebration of a day is that I took some of the kids out to a school trip to a stained glass um, studio in class, which is really exciting. And the real celebration is I didn't have to use any of my newly learned first aid skills on any of the children, which is a real relief. <laughs> the only tiny gripe that I have... I'm sorry, everyone. But also, I think we should be griping on International Women's Day. Oh, I think that's a very appropriate time to gripe. There are a lot of... Um, loads of griping going loads on. Loads of gripes. Outdoor, very noisy griping, probably. Um, but yes, my tiny gripe is that all the kids got to have a go at cutting glass, and I didn't get a go. And I'm really <laughs> upset about it, but I thought it was too cheeky to ask for that time. So... Yeah, that's my tiny grape. Anyway, we've been trying to get you on the show for ages, and we're really <laughs> excited to finally get you on the show. Oh, I'm um, really delighted to be here. My mom will be very pleased to be listening to this. Vivian and my mom are great Yiddish friends. We'll be talking about Yiddish music, and maybe I thought it would be kind of interesting to choose songs that we can make parallels maybe with current issues facing women today, so things like immigration, poverty, sex work, marriage. So hopefully we'll be touching on some of those topics later on. Yeah. But did you want to choose maybe and introduce a favourite song to start us off and give us a bit of an intro? Well, I'm not so sure how much it's a favourite song, but I thought I'd choose a song which would introduce us to the area that we're talking about. And the area that we're going to be discussing today is the East End of London and it's Whitechapel. And this song was a Yiddish song called Whitechapel, Mein Whitechapel which is Whitechapel, my Whitechapel, and it tells, it actually was written in the 50s. It was quite a late time to be writing a Yiddish song, and it was written by a Canadian called Chaim Tauber, and he wrote a song about, um, about Whitechapel, thinking that everybody's writing songs about their little 
um, Shtetl, their little town in Eastern Europe. They're writing about Bialystok and Belz and all sorts of other places. And he thought, I'll write a, a Shtetl song about London, about Whitechapel. And it's all about what's going on in the East End. There are people selling bagels, or as they were called, bagels. And there are uh, people selling sweets. And there, over there, he says, the Pavilion Theatre. And it's a very, it's quite a sentimental song, looking back on the old East End that isn't there anymore. Whitechapel, mine, Whitechapel. Let's have a listen. Club. Okay, so that was 
Whitechapel, Mind Whitechapel. Is that yeah, right? How right. is that pronunciation? And that is from the CD by Klezmer Club, which is your ensemble. Yeah. yeah. And the album is called also Whitechapel. Whitechapel. My Whitechapel. Great. And if anyone wants to purchase that CD, where could they do that? <laughs> <laughs> Getting the plug in early for you. Um, you can get it anywhere online, Amazon. Just put in the name. Put in Klezmer Club. We've got a, a website as well. Okay, great. So... I've kind of brought you on the show to talk a bit about the research that you've done for your PhD, which is recently finished, I think, and set to be published next year by Wayne State University Press. So that's yeah. all very exciting. And actually, mazel tov, Vivi, because that's Thank you very much. a big achievement. <laughs> we've already said we're going to be talking about Yiddish music and things like that. But maybe you can explain, actually, to our listeners who might not know, what is Yiddish? Well, Yiddish was the language that was spoken by the Jews in Eastern Europe. And they were living in, in Russia and Poland and Ukraine and lots of areas around um, Eastern Europe. And um, they, they spoke this language, and the language is, is a sort of conglomerate language. A lot of it is from medieval German, it was a dialect. Um, and as Jews were in different places, they picked up other words. So there's a lot of Slavic words in it, and so there's Russian words, and there's Polish words, and there's words from any countries that they've gone to. So as the Jews migrated from Eastern Europe to, to England, they, they obviously brought the language with them, but it became a language that then again kept changing and it brought in English words, and which is sort of like, was commonly in the East End called Cockney Yiddish. And actually we heard a little phrase there that we were all talking about, um, the fact that jelly deals came up in that, and I would just like to clarify because Leo was slightly confused, it's not jelly deals as in, I'll swap you two jellies for that <laughs> eel, it's jellied eels. That is what I understood it as, well, I was thinking of jelly beans. So it was a natural that progression. That makes even less sense, I think. Well, I think the cool. Jelly Babies is probably a lot more tasty than Jelly Deals. So, so. so. Yeah. And, and Jelly, jelly Deals. The sequel. Jelly Babies above Jelly Beans, ah. actually. Yeah. We could but, talk about this for hours. But Jelly Deals, <laughs> just to say, were, were they were sold in, um, there was a, someone called um, Tubby Isaacs, and he had a stall by Allgate Tube, and he sold these Jelly Deals, which is very interesting because he was a Jewish man selling this, and of course, jellied Eels are not kosher. So um, how many of the Jews were eating them or eating them surreptitiously? That's very controversial. Almost as controversial as earlier in the show when you said Beigel, which to my Yiddish ear, which is very limited, was a travesty to hear that. Well, Cockney Yiddish is, is, is how Jews spoke in, in London. And certainly in London, they did not say bagels. They said Beigels. And that's partly because... Where you were in Eastern Europe, you spoke like like if you're I'm from Liverpool. Okay, you'll, you'll pick that up. Um, and in, in you have a different accent in different places. You're from Scotland, so you hear people's accents, and just the same in Eastern Europe. Um, Yiddish had different accents depending on where you were living and for the people that were living in Lithuania they said bagels and for the people that were living in Poland they said bagels. Now the migration routes, um, a lot of people from Lithuania didn't come to London they went up to places more in the north of the country but in, in London they had a lot of people from Poland and also it sort of like sat with the, with the sort of East End language as well and so it became bagels so if people were selling bagels as the, as the sort of American term really got now used universally. If people were selling bagels on the streets in London, they'd be shouting Bygala, Bygala Buy my Bygala They wouldn't say bagels You make an excellent bagel seller <laughs> It's a skill to have. So let's get back to the research. So what did you do your PhD about and how did you research it? So my PhD was about um, popular culture in the East End of London this immigrant popular culture um, in Yiddish. Because what happened was like 
thousands of immigrants were flowing into to, 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 to England and tens of thousands, scores of thousands of immigrants between 1884 and my research goes on to the beginning of the First World War. And they, 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 they sort of set up a vibrant culture in the East End of London in Yiddish and there was Yiddish publishing houses and Yiddish theatre and um, there was early Yiddish cinema and there were posters on the walls in Yiddish and everyone was speaking it. And so it was a very vibrant culture. And there was a lot of popular culture. There were newspapers and uh, music halls. And I was collecting anything I could find in rhyming verse that had been written between 1884 and 1914. And so I was scouring the newspapers, going into libraries and archives and looking at newspapers and song sheets and song books and finding all this stuff and choosing the bits that were written in London that were about London. So they told us about the immigrant experience um, and then analysing them and drawing things from why, them. Why did you want ones that rhymed specifically? Is that for it to find, is that, was that a research into people's accents? No, that's a good question, actually. I mean, I, I did it because I wanted to look at poetry and song. But what I found was it was all in rhyming couplets. There was nothing written as a poem that wasn't in rhyming couplets. So it was obviously like the style of the time, this sort of doggerel that people were writing. Song lyrics tend to rhyme, but any of the poetry and the satirical stuff, it was like that was how people were writing. So it made me think that it was intended often to be read out. And also from some of the sources you hear, like people saying that they read things out in, in meetings, like serious sort of political poetry that they'd read out in meetings. But it was it was all in rhyming couplets. And what's the kind of tradition? Why were they rhyming everything? If you looked at, I mean, Victorian newspapers like had a loads and loads of poetry in it as well. And, and much of that was in rhyme. William Morris is writing at this time and is writing in, in, in rhyming couplets. I mean, it was the style of the time. So I think that the, the Yiddish, in some ways they were taking from Eastern European sort of Yiddish popular culture but in other ways they were taking from English popular culture as well and when we look at some of the songs you'll see they're just nicking it and they're, so they're like really creating a hybrid culture this partly Yiddish, partly English And how did you end up researching Yiddish and I guess especially because as you've said you're Liverpoolian yourself why the interest in Cockney Yiddish? Well, I mean Yiddish is quite a funny story because I was brought up um, as a strictly orthodox Jew in Liverpool and my family on anything like a bar mitzvah the bar mitzvah boy would always give a little talk about the Torah about the Bible and the talk would be in Yiddish and I always thought I can't understand what he's saying I'd really like to learn Yiddish so that I understand what this 13 year old is gabbing on about in Yiddish and um, so at school, I took German when we had to take um, different subjects for O-level so that it was helpful then to learn Yiddish. I didn't learn Yiddish till much later. But my mother sort of laughed at me because she said, you know what? There's a huge Yiddish literature. It's wonderful. There are Yiddish songs. There's Yiddish theatre. And you wanted to learn Yiddish because of some nonsense that a 13-year-old was talking about um, on, on his bar mitzvah. But um, that was, in fact really the impetus behind it and I heard so I heard Yiddish in the family and my dad who I adored spoke Yiddish and um, sung me Yiddish songs um, so that's how I did it but when I came to London I, I found out more about 
although I was born in Liverpool, my family came via London. And so they lived in the East End of London. And I started collecting songs from people who had collected them from old people about London in Yiddish. And it was fascinating what it says about all sorts of political things. Why did you want to learn Yiddish, Emma? Oh, I oh. guess Ooh. by surprise. Uh, yeah, I didn't know I was going to get asked a question. Well, it's kind of a way, I think, to connect with my family. So my mum, who we've well, she's been on the show many times and we've mentioned her even more times um, on the show but she is actually a native Yiddish speaker and both her parents spoke Yiddish and I guess she's in a Yiddish choir in Melbourne so it's kind of nice for me when I'm a Yiddish choir here to like have parallel Yiddish choir chats and I can send her things and say we're learning this song and she can say oh we've just learned that one and it's really really nice but um, yeah I think it's a way to connect with my family and I think um, yeah it's it's I guess quite sad because I, I lost all my grandparents in the last few years and I couldn't ever really communicate them with them very well because they were mainly Yiddish speakers and didn't really speak very much English despite having you know living in Australia for a long time so I think even though they're kind of gone, it's a way to connect with them and that part of mm. my family. Mm. Yeah, and I think as well, because I went to Vivi's Yiddish class and it was just supposed to be like a kind of beginner's Yiddish class, but actually we did a lot of songs and that's kind of when I started getting a bit more interested in Yiddish songs as well. Mm. Um, and because I recognise some of those as songs that my grandparents used to listen to. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it's like what you say is, is really sad. It's, it's wonderful meeting your mother because she is my age and she like learned, you know, Yiddish as a, as a first language, but it's really like not really very, very little Yiddish being spoken now as a first language. The place where it's being spoken is in the ultra-Orthodox community. But what they're not accessing is they're not accessing all the literature because it's mainly secular literature, so they're not um, looking at that and researching that. So there is a rejuvenation of Yiddish, there is a reflowering of it, and um, mostly in America, but to, to a small extent here as well. And they have a wonderful course in the summer, which is a learning Yiddish course for a week, and lots of klezmer music and stuff. Um, I just wanted to go back a little bit about what you were saying about the kind of research you did into into music, because I I found it really nice. You were talking earlier, well, we were discussing earlier that you um, asked people in old people's homes to recount their songs that they remembered. Can you tell us a bit about that experience? Well, after I'd collected a number of songs, I collected about eight or nine songs, and I thought, like, oh, this is great, you know, all these songs about London. I bet some of the old people still remember them. So I started going around, and I, for two, two reasons, I thought they'll still remember them, and then I thought they might actually know more that I don't know. So I started going around to old people's homes, and I'd sort of sing them snippets of all the songs that I knew, and they were going, no. I've never heard of it. No. <laughs> and they didn't know very much Yiddish because Yiddish really was in decline from about 1910, 1920 in this, in this country. And so people were, you know, they, they didn't know much Yiddish and they knew like more Yinglish, which is really English with a few Yiddish words thrown in. Um, and it was just really sad because I'd found these marvellous songs that they didn't know. But there was one song that when I walked in to a room and I said, do you know this song? And I go, Old Solomon Levy. And I get a whole room of people singing tra la 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 la. <laughs> and it's actually um, a Yiddish song. You can play it if you want. <laughs> Oh, Solomon Levy! Hey, Solomon Levy! Die Mama 
so that was old Solomon Levy, who I recently learned about but can't remember anything about. So maybe Vivi can tell us who he was. <laughs> well, old Solomon Levy, I think, is, is it's a bit like John Smith. You know, it's one of those archetypal names for a Jewish man. But um, actually, old Solomon Levy was was, was the nickname for um, a, a, an old geezer on the street in the East End who was playing records and, and he was a beggar. Um, yeah. So and he had a it. gramophone. And he had a gramophone and was, yeah quite a character okay so we've kind of covered some of this but like what sort of time were you looking at then with your research and what do we know about the Jewish population and their experience in that time Right, so the research I was doing was um, between 1884 and 1914. It was the time when the, these uh, sort of scores of thousands of immigrants were coming, Jewish immigrants were coming into the country and they were mainly poor. They were almost all um, really very poor and they were working. They had to find themselves work and it was really hard to find work in the East End of London and they were finding themselves work in what um, became known as the sweatage trades. So, I mean, in America, they called them sweatshops. In here in London, they called them workshops. And they were working in bad conditions, tailoring and shoemaking and hat making and, 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 and um, carpentry. Um, and what was interesting and important, I think, to talk about women a bit in the workplace. Women were very conspicuous in the workplace and they were... A lot of women were working because it was just not enough to for, for, for people to have only one person in the household working. And the, there was a change in the way people worked by the immigrant work. So it used to be that you'd have one master tailor who would make a whole garment from start to finish. But um, with the immigrants, they brought in a new system that split up. It was called Division of Labour and it split up um, all the parts of making a garment. So you'd have someone just doing cuffs and you'd have someone just doing collars and you'd have someone basting and someone pressing and someone cutting and someone just doing buttonholes. Um, so it meant that people would only need to learn one skill that they can then repeat over and over again. And that, of course, was cheaper and they could pay people less. And it was women who did some of the more menial work in that. And of course, they were pay paid very, very little. And they were working, when you say sweatshops, I mean, there were factories in the north of the country. In London, there weren't really tailoring factories. There were workshops um, and they'd have like lots of people crowded into basements and attics and garrets and outhouses and people's living rooms. And so there'd be some will be larger and some will be very small. And and so women will be tucked away really hard to support, to unionize, to get out onto the streets. And in fact, that was something that was really important that people were really trying to do to, to encourage women to, to, to be active. Division of labor, you saying that that came with people who migrated from Eastern Europe, they brought division of labor. Well, I think it was more about needing to have more people in work. And so because more people were need to be in work, it's like, um, and people were unskilled. You had all these people coming over who hadn't learned to trade. So they couldn't really start making a garment from oh, start to finish. Mm. So you needed to have something that they could learn quickly and, and, and then just do. And it, of course, there was a, a whole system of subcontracting, which means someone, some contractor would get a big job and would say, OK, let's um, I'll give this bit off to a small workshop there and this bit off to a small workshop mm. there. and this bit off." So it became smaller and smaller, the pieces of work, and there was less and less money as you went. So you had to have these unskilled, what were called greeners. Greeners were the new immigrants, were the people who'd been there a short amount of time and everyone could take advantage of them. 
And so the kind of songs that you've also been looking at, what sort of stories do they tell us about women at that time? Well, I mean, the, the, the w- women come up in songs all the time. Often they sort of come up in ways that bring up huge social issues. And I guess that one of the, f- the first time I came across a song that was specifically about woman- women was a song called Drei Schwester, Three Sisters. And this was a song written by a man called Morris Vinchevsky, who came over to um, London in 1879, and he was in his early 20s. And he was called, even at that stage, he was nicknamed named the Zader, which is the grandfather um, of Jewish socialism. And he came over and he was a fierce, fiery revolutionary. And he wrote these beautiful, beautiful ballads about London. And one of them was called Drei Schwester. And it's the story of three girls who sell their wares in Leicester Square. And the oldest sells flowers and the younger one sells shoelaces and the youngest sells herself. The two younger sisters don't hate the oldest for what she does. They hate develop the world and destop the town and degas the street. And late at night, they come home and the shoelaces and the flowers are drenched with their tears. I learned this song from someone at Klesfest in London and from Karsten Troika, who was a Yiddish, non-Jewish Yiddish folk singer from, from Berlin. I, I asked him why he was singing a song about London and he said, well, that's a very interesting question because I learned this song from Chippa Linkowski, who is an actress from Argentina. And what was really interesting was I then said to him, well, why was Chipper singing it? And he said she was given the lyrics to this song by Helene Weigel. And Helene Weigel was the widow of Bertolt Brecht. And she said Bertolt Brecht loved this song because the girls don't blame each other for their position, for their poverty. They blame society. So it's a really powerful socialist song, that political song about like poverty that lasted generations. In England is Duastot Leicester, in London is Duastot Leicester, in London is Die ältere bändlicht sie schich, in spät in der Nacht tit sie kämen. Die dritte wus handelt mit
So were there other writers at the time who were kind of writing about these issues about sex work? Um, yeah, I mean, Vinchevsky was writing within a whole atmosphere and a whole sort of discussion. I mean, you know, all these radicals were having fierce discussions at the time about like what was going on socially. And um, this was, song was actually written in 1892. But in 1884, William Stead, who was the editor of the Pall Mall Gazette, went undercover to expose the trade in underage virgin girls in London. And he was going around and he um, was posing as someone who was trying to buy a girl, a, a young underage girl for sex. And his, 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 his aim was to try and... Um, raise the profile of this and therefore change the age of consent from 13 to to 15 and he went undercover and he uh, made interviews with people in the trade all sorts of people with young women with older women with people who were involved in 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 trafficking and um, over a week in the Pall Mall Gazette in 1884 he had this huge expose with all these interviews with very melodramatic headlines and it, so it was like a huge topic of discussion in London about prostitution in London and about the white slave trade about what was going on and how women were being trafficked from Eastern Europe and brought over over to England so um, and other places, Argentina and so on. So, I mean, it's part of... So th having this come up in the song is, is, is not unusual. And it comes up again, it's quite interesting, it comes up in a whole range of other places. So that became a song from a very serious poem, but it comes up in all sorts of musical songs as well um, around the time, around the turn of the 20th century. So there's a, mu a musical song called Victoria Park that we might hear a bit later, but that has a, um, um, a bit in it and it talks about a woman who, who is a sex worker and it talks about, there goes Chaita from Lita, from Lithuania. She is Didrita the third. And she in city, and she lives in the city, and it's so interesting because, what does it mean? She's the third, and she lives in the city. Well, living in the city was unheard of for a Jewish woman on her own, so it's obviously a clue to her being a sex worker. But she is the third refers back directly to the last song that we heard, the three sisters, where the third sold her body, and so. Um, it, it was possibly something that people would snigger at. But in fact, Victoria Park as a, is, a, is, a, is a raunchy song. But the one bit that's in a way least raunchy in it is some respect that he gives to this sex worker who he doesn't mock in the way he mocks all sorts of other characters in the song. So um, so, so that that's sort of like um, really interesting that it's a part of the discussion like this song has come up as a way of engaging in discussion. There's another song that comes up in, another musical song. So Victoria Park was written by someone called Ura Naga, and this one was also written by him. And this is called, this is really interesting, because it's called, Won't you come home, Sura Gittel? Now, won't you come home, Sura Gittel? If anyone heard it at the time, they'd go, hang on a sec, I know a song like that. And the song that was really popular at the time was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey? 
which went, won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Won't you come home? And it was a story of um, a woman trying to get her errant husband to come home and was going out and sort of like, and, and he was gallivanting with women and with alcohol and she was trying to get him to come home. Um, but the Yiddish song, for Nishtahem Sora Gittel, Sora Gittel, Sora is Sarah, yeah? So the, is actually about a man trying to get his errant wife to come home. And she's out there gallivanting in pubs with a gazinta goy, with a, a healthy non-Jewish man. You know, so she's out there. So again, there's like these little innuendos of prostitution. But it's what's particularly interesting about this song is how they flipped the roles. And it sort of like shows how immigrant men are coming over to this country. They're trying to make a living and they're not able to. They're not able to keep their families. They're feeling emasculated. They're feeling like they can't be the sort of breadwinner they need to be. And in a way, a song like this, which is mocking them, gives them maybe a let out to laugh at it and women are let out to laugh at the ridiculousness that they might have any more independence than, than you know, the way the song suggests they have it or that they have any more choice in, in what they do sexually. So it's, it, it's very interesting the way these songs bring up really important social issues that are going on at the time. I think there was one you also mentioned that maybe touches upon the uh, topic of domestic violence. Maybe you could tell us a bit more about that one. Yeah. I mean, there's, in fact, there's a couple that, 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 that touch on domestic violence. But um, I mean, one of them, which isn't in a way domestic violence, but it's a very violent act to do, is there's a song called Brivalich from Rusland, which is about letters from Russia. And it's a, a, a song written um, from the perspective of a woman in Eastern Europe and sending letters to her husband who's come over to London and disappeared. And it was deserted wives was a huge issue. And it was a huge issue in the Jewish community that a man could desert his wife and she'd be left um, and she would be unable to get married again because in, in religious Judaism, <clears throat> for a divorce, a man had to give a woman a document called a get. And if, if he didn't, then she couldn't get married again. So she was left without a breadwinner. So it was a really, really tense situation and terrible catastrophe for the woman. Um, and so there's a song about that. And there's also a song about more sort of like, you know, actual physical domestic violence in, in a song called A Boy Chick up to date and I learned this song from from a man called Derek Reed and Derek Reed was uh, collected fantastic songs of the East End and he collected songs which he literally had a tape recorder in the 70s and went round and this is recorded from an old lady who was in her 90s at the time it's a story of Lizzie Clough who's working and working and saving money for a dowry because she wants to get herself not a nice Jewish boy, an Englishman, a boy chick up to date. But, but the boy chick she eventually marries, the narrator tells us that the last time he saw Lizzie Clough, she was green und gel, which means green and yellow. Translated into English, black and blue. That sort of Englishman. Mein Freund Lizzie Clough, hat die Arbeit in a shop, ganz weiß. Of the town, in a yeder cent, was for dinners he had gekent, flecked his saving in the bank for madame. She had gewusst, as a yeder bocher will sein reich, das is gewesen ihr ganze Ziel. 
Obrazy wetnor hoben, na bambucha groben, ecy neme na boche wyżywił. Oj, de boche, boche gewałt, de soche, soche, hat sie sich getracht und gefreit. Oj, a boj, a boj, ich will, a soj, a soj, a boj, czyk up to date, a mescher, a tof. A gugu, a bluff, a boy, chico, vey, in postig state, a tenser, a bren, an Englishman, a boy, chick, up to date. Got what you baglicked, a rotted suki schicked, a boy, chico, a nantigged, a boy, chico, a sport, geheir, a balding court, kidage is only terms, ye chazain. Aber jetzt ihr sollt ihr sehen, wie es ist nebach grün und gel. Bei Patch habt sie euch, ich muss gehen hier da rein. Bei Patch geben kann ein Englishman, a boy chick up to date. So, sorry, can you just retell us, who, who was that saying? That was incredible. So that's Bertha Jackson, who's in her 90s, um, in 1970, early 1970s. Those are all songs from the kind of the Cockney Yiddish music hall. And I think you've recorded some of those with your band, Kachanas. Is that right? Can you tell us, have I pronounced that wrong? And can you tell us what it means? Okay, well, Kachanas comes from the title song of, of it called, which goes, Fregnit kein Kachanas, don't ask Kachanas. S is England, this is England. So the catchanness of it is, is don't ask stupid questions. But actually, catchan is like the stalk of a cabbage or the stalk of a broccoli. It's a, it means like, so it's, but the slang for it means nonsense or silly bits. It's the bits you throw away. Yeah, you cut up your broccoli and you throw away the stalks. But you shouldn't, they're very good. I was going to say, you compost those bits at the very least. No, but you can make them. soup. Well, yeah, that's soup. When I, I had a veg box, I would always make soup from the stalks of broccoli. Well, maybe in that case, Kachan is the best bit. And the- I wouldn't say the best. <laughs> it's, a, it's a last resort soup item, I feel. It's a good snack, though, the stalk of broccoli. Really? I gnaw on that sometimes, so ah. don't sell yourself short. Well, okay, so when, when, you're, when you're sort of like uh, gnawing on your stalk of broccoli, you have to be thinking about nonsense because that is what Kachan means. That's the slang. So Fregnit kein Kachanus means don't talk don't ask silly questions don't ask nonsense so that's where the word kachanas for the band comes from and um we're not completely sure of the title of the new cd yet it'll be cabbages and something but we're not sure what we're trying to think of a yiddish word if you get any ideas listeners tweet us at vlw radio (laughs) with with your favorite yiddish word cabbages and beep 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 yeah I know that's a good yeah fill in the gap challenge Um, and that will be coming out sometime in early may hopefully Excellent. Um, okay, so do you feel like Yiddish is kind of still relevant today? Is there? You did mention earlier some kind of there's a bit of a revival going on. So how is it, you know, relevant today? Maybe the issues or, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's hugely relevant today in a very serious way. In the way that um, that people in the East End were out there singing Yiddish songs on the streets in order to demonstrate about their working conditions and in order to try and improve the situation. And there were some really key strikes in the 1880s and 1890s and, 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 and then later on after in, in the 1900s. Um, but there were key um, strikes that 
Yiddish writers such as Vinchevsky were writing songs for and people were out there on the street singing them. And those songs are still so pertinent and the conditions of work, you know, they're not exactly the same as today, but there are still people really struggling in work, people not making enough money to to be able to pay their way through the week for their families. Um, And so we've tried to develop um, in the last couple of years we've been developing a project called the Great Yiddish Parade and the Great Yiddish Parade is trying to bring those songs from them out onto the streets today and we've been singing these songs in demonstrations and in events and festivals um, waving a banner and singing in Yiddish and we've had it's just been really interesting bringing those songs back because they're really pertinent and I thought I'd just um sing you a couple of little bits from them because the bits are about women because although um, mostly the writers are men and mostly people on the streets were men there were so many women involved in work and involved in union activism and it comes up in some of the songs so there are two Vinchevsky songs which this comes up in the first one is called Der Freiheitsgeist which is the spirit of freedom and it starts off with in die Gassen zu die Massen into the streets to the masses and it talks about the freedom spirit saying I'll bring strategies to help you through this time I'm going to help you and the last verse is I come both men and women to help build everyone's right Ich kum beide Männer freuen, jedes Recht zu helfen, boyen, Gleichheitsgrößen tron. Fried und streben, kum ich geben, Lebenslust und Lust in Leben, Organisation. So you can hear they're like fiery songs, they're real like union activist songs. You I love that, that word, organisation. I got, yeah, I understood organisation. <sighs> I should tell the listeners that I, I don't speak any Yiddish. That, but that, you can pick it up. I, yeah. But organisation yeah. is a Yiddish word. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Is it is it a word that's been borrowed from other languages and put into Yiddish, or is it originally a Yiddish word? Or is it hard to tell? It's hard to tell. I mean, okay. but I, I mean, you know, you can say that about German words as well. You know, there's a lot of German and English words. That are yeah, like in lexical similar. borrowing. Yeah. We were at the um, Women's March and it was it was um it was an amazing march the one a, f- a, f- a couple of months ago um and with with thousands and thousands of women on the streets but we got stuck because they i think they didn't realize quite how many men and women were going to come out and we were all really stuck there and then someone started saying to us because we were playing music they were saying turn around and walk the other way and we'll help you and we'll get everyone walking the other way and they just sort of like people moved apart. It was like the parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> they were moving apart like and we were playing along and everyone like just moved and we started going through them. And I think that music has always been the, the sort of background sound to, 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 to demonstrations and to protest. And we're just really like very dedicated to having this back out there in protests. So here's, here's a little extract from, from the protest. Okay, so that was that was a short clip, I think, from the protest you were just talking about. Um, did you have any other songs that you wanted to? 
tell us about that maybe you've been using in your Great Yiddish Parade? Um, well, th- there's another song that talks about the future and talks about the future being really rosy and it says everything will be better, love will be greater and hatred will be less. And the, who will the love and the hatred be greater and less? Between women and men and between countries. So it was really like women's issues were an issue there. But I thought that what may be nice to do is as we're all singing together in the Great Yiddish Parade, I thought maybe I'll teach you a chorus and then we can sing it together. I'm up for that. That'd be great. Yeah, let's go for it. So what's the song that we're going to be singing? So it's called Arbiter Freuden, Working Women. And it's about working women and it's trying to get women out. So it's a women who are out there at home and in the factories. Why are you on the sidelines? Come on, come on and help build it because women are really important in our struggle. So the chorus tune that goes, la lie, 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 goes, yeah, la lie, lie, la la lie, yeah, lie, la la lie. Should we all try yeah, it? Let's all try. I'm going to remember the words, not so much the tune. <laughs> That's there. okay. The words, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, la 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 so when it comes up, we can all sing together. Cool. We might not put our mics up for that. <laughs> this, is a, this is Adrian Cooper singing this. The late Adrian Cooper, who was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful Yiddish teacher from America who taught me a huge amount and taught me this song. And she has missed greatly. Better freuen, leidende freuen, freuen, wo schmachten in Häus und Fabrik, wo steht ihr von Weidens, wo's helft in et Bäuen, dem Tempel von Freiheit, von menschlichen Glück, helft uns, tragen dem Banner, dem Reuten, vorwärts durch Sturm, durch finstere Nacht helft uns Freiheit und Licht zu verspreiten zwischen umwissende Endeknecht. Freiheit, Vergleichheit, 
Yeah, Sarah joined in for that one as well, which I'm <laughs> grateful for. So yeah, so that was Adrian Cooper with our bass yeah. and, and please come and join the Great Yiddish Parade. Look us up on Facebook. Yeah, oh, you can plug more things if you want. So yeah, so if you do the Great <laughs> Yiddish Parade, you've got a new album coming out with Kachanis. And also, obviously, you've got your book hopefully coming out next year. Mm-hmm. So that's all some great stuff. And yeah, the people can find you on Facebook. And where else can they find you? Well, Kachanis is on www.kachanis, spelled K-A-T-S-H-A-N-E-S, dot com. And Klezma Club is www.klezmaclub, club also with a K, dot co.uk wow, thank you so much that's been like an incredible hour a power hour of um, <laughs> Yiddish music incredible stuff so thank you so much for coming on thanks Sarah for engineering and for having us do an hour long show on this wonderful day of International Women's Day thank you very much that's quite alright it's going to be that. exciting for next year as well yeah I can't wait okay and we've got a final song to end on before we do that I should say that we are obviously our Twitter is at VLW Radio and you can listen to our podcast and this will be podcasted although it'll be very difficult to edit because it's a whole hour of greatness but um, yeah we have a podcast on acast.com forward slash various women and we're going to end on the song Victoria Park yeah. from your Whitechapel album so can you just tell us uh, you have mentioned it a little bit before but can you remind us what the song's about yeah, well first of all before, I'd just like to say thank you so much it's been just a delight being here oh you. thanks so and much for coming made on made me feel very comfortable <laughs> my mum is going to be so happy <laughs> well she'll sing along to this one um, and Victoria Park is Victoria Park was called the playground of the East End and people would go there on a Saturday afternoon it was quite a, a walk quite a schlep from the East End maybe half an hour walk but it um, was there and it describes Victoria Park and all the people in there so it's got like lads running around and falling over and breaking their bones and snot coming out of their noses and I mean you know it's like you know really good sort of literary Yiddish this and it talks about um, a couple walking there sedately and another couple canoodling in the bushes and it talks about um, Red Benny and Spotty Annie and lovely ways it describes people and um, all these people are having fun in Victoria Park. There's one little thing that I'd like to mention. Uh, We are planning a show, done a Twitter call out for people who have stories about not orgasming. So if you you want to contribute, please tweet us at VLW Radio or get in touch on our email address, which is... Various women at uh, resonancefm.com. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe we can bring Vivi back because maybe you have a Yiddish song about that. Who knows? <laughs> but um, we're very, very grateful for you to come for coming Thanks in. So, so thank you so much. Yeah. And yeah, this is Victoria Park. <laughs> London wird jetzt stark geläubt. Victoria Park, Victoria Park. Wer wollt du's geläubt? In Victoria Park. 
Apostelgården av Bestärk, Victoria Park, Victoria Park, Aporten mit sein groben Kerk, in Victoria Park. Jeder eine, red euch die Beine, er fällt auf Steine, er verliert die Zeine. Mit Rachel sei wach. Victoria Park, Victoria Park. Sie ein Ski in er ein Sock. In Victoria Park. Nachmann begeit mit sein Wab. Victoria Park, Victoria Park. Landsleit sichern dort ein Job. In Victoria Park. Dort geht Reite. talked a lot about music about women and I thought it'd be really nice to end on a song that's written by women. So this is an arrangement of a poem by Yiddish poet Rachel Korn and it's arranged by a Yiddish singer called Polina Shepherd. So I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Und er 
Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at ResonanceFM.com.